Welcome to the Antioch Initiative Podcast, a podcast focused on the unreached of the world and topics related to seeing the unreached discipled in Christ's kingdom. In this episode, Art Thomas is being interviewed by Nick Robertson with the Antioch Initiative. Art has seen thousands of miraculous healings and has traveled the world leading crusades and reaching many with the gospel of Christ. We are privileged this afternoon uh, to talk with Art Thomas, Assemblies of God Evangelist from Michigan. And um, Art has been in over 15 different countries of the world, training people in kingdom living and spiritual gifts. And Art, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Happy to be here. Now, Art, you've been with us helping us to train uh, people in spiritual gifts, and you were sharing yesterday how that, that ha- you haven't always experienced uh, spiritual gifts active in your life. Um, yeah, can you tell yeah. us a little bit of your story? I, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church where we believe in spiritual gifts, and it's part of what we do. Um, I, you know, I would see prophetic words and tongues and interpretation and things like that growing up. Uh, but as far as miracles, healings, things like that, it was really rare. Um, I could count the number of miracles I personally witnessed on one hand. Um, and, and for me, growing up in that environment, I kind of concluded that God does do miracles, but they're extremely rare. And um, certainly, you know, sometimes it's God's will to heal, sometimes it isn't. But <laughs> every time I try, it isn't. There's there's no exception I'm, uh, I, that's just apparently not my gift. And, uh, it was really, as I grew up in that, I, I ended up on staff at, a, at my home church. I was a youth pastor. I got credentialed in the AG, uh, which of course means I now know everything, <laughs> but I still was not seeing, uh, these, these spirit, you know, really an overflow of spiritual gifts. I was hungry for it. You know, I, I, I had understood how to prophesy, like what that felt like when the Lord was giving you a word. I understood, you know, I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues and all that. But but miracles, again, that was foreign to me. And then uh, around 2000, uh, it would have been 2008, there was a couple in our church that the husband and wife, both of them were diagnosed with cancer. Uh, in 2009, the husband was healed, but the wife died of cancer. And we did more for the wife than the husband. Like our whole church fasted and prayed for her and we didn't do that for him. So why did it work for him and not for her, right? Right. And and you start questioning these things. And of course, every time we ministered to them, it was, Lord, if it's your will, would you, would you heal them? And, and then he wouldn't. And so the natural assumption is, well, I put that disclaimer on there. That means it was God's will for them to have this. So (laughs) you start to form these conclusions based off of what's happening in front of you instead of based off what the Word of God says. And uh, I like to tell people that's not theology, that's disappointmentology. That's that's not studying God That's or even studying Scripture. That is a study of your human experience and uh, forming a God, not maybe in your image, but in the image of your experience, in the image of your disappointments, which arguably is just as much of a false God. So... You know, I wrestled through that. I'm like, why was it that it worked for him, not for her? Why was it that I laid hands on him and prayed for him many times and nothing ever happened? And then they went to some faith healers meeting. That guy touched him and instantly he was healed. And of course, naturally you think, well, I guess that guy's got a gift, right? I don't have that gift. That's his gift. But then I started to wonder, like, why was it that, uh, you know, this guy goes around and has a bunch of people healed in his meetings but I rarely, if ever, actually in my case, never have seen someone healed. 
So maybe it's his gift, but, but if, if it's frequent for him and never for me, and I'm always praying your will be done, then what that means is God's up in heaven saying, not my will, not my will, not my, oops, I gave that guy a gift. I guess I got to heal this time. That doesn't make sense. It, it, it's not logically consistent with what we know of God, what we know of scripture, uh, that, that the gifts of the spirit would trump God's will. Instead, it makes more sense that they illustrate God's will. So that really got me thinking. I'm like, man, up until this point, everything I've believed doesn't make sense. And that's what put me on a pursuit. I said, I, I, I'm going to stop reading every book I'm reading, every podcast I'm listening to. It's all, I'm, I'm done. And I'm just going to read the four gospels, the book of Acts, and see with fresh eyes what conclusions would I draw if this was the first time I was ever reading about Jesus, specifically regarding healing ministry and such. And uh, it took three months to wrestle through all my questions and, and issues that I had and, and all the whatabouts. And at the end of three months, I, I became convinced God actually wanted to do this. He actually wanted to heal people. He, the same way he wants to save all, yet not all are saved. He wants to heal all, yet not all are healed. Uh, but we know both of those through the revelation of Jesus. He did, perfectly revealed did the Father. Did you begin to see people get healed after? Yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, I, I took me three months. I finally came to that conclusion, and I got up in front of uh, the youth group I was pastoring and said, "God wants to heal. He wants to use you to do it." And so uh, I showed them the the logical case that had convinced me. And then now, now the thing was, even though I was convinced that God would use anybody, because Jesus said in John fourteen twelve, uh, everyone who believes in me will do the same things I've been doing. So that's pretty all inclusive. Uh, similarly, Mark sixteen, where he said these signs will accompany those who believe. That's the only qualifier. <laughs> so I, I said, this is for everybody. Just get into groups. I think we had about twenty four students, so I had them get into groups of about eight, uh, three groups. And then turn them loose on each other. But I stood back because even though I believed it was possible, God never used me before. So why would he start now? Right. And I didn't want to let anybody down. <laughs> and so uh, I thought maybe hopefully in a room with groups that big, maybe somebody in the room will have faith and something will happen. But uh, so I stood back and there was a, an intern at our church named Josh who being an intern had no health insurance, uh, no money, <laughs> and he got an ear infection and didn't tell us because he's a young 20-something-year-old who's you know proud of himself and nothing's ever wrong with me, right? And so he uh, had let this thing go, and it was giving him excruciating pain, starting to lose hearing, and he had these seventh-grade boys ministering to him, and uh, finally he came up to me and he goes, Pastor Art, I feel terrible, like... They prayed for me, nothing happened, and I don't know what to tell them because I don't want to make them feel bad. What should I do? I said, tell them to do it again. He goes, are you serious? I said, yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I was, I was just telling him what I saw someone else do on YouTube. <laughs> but I said, tell them to do it again. Okay, so they go back. He goes back. They, they do it again. This time, two of the boys come up to me, Justin and Joey, and they go, Pastor Art, we tried everything. I said, really, you tried everything. What'd you try? Well, we, we laid hands on him. We prayed for him. We said, in Jesus' name. And now, again, I've never done this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I am not trying to show them how it's done. Actually, I'm just trying to be my typical smart aleck self and think of something they didn't put on their list because they said they tried everything. And I know they didn't literally try everything. So as a joke, I walk up to Josh and I go, really, you tried everything? Did you try this? And I stuck my finger in his ear and I said, open. And Josh goes, oh my gosh, that worked. To which I wow. said the that same thing. Oh my gosh, yeah. that worked! Right? I was more surprised than him. It was like uh, I, I learned so much in that because up until that moment, 
all my life, whenever I prayed for healing or anything, it was, you know, I got to say the right words, feel the right feeling, think the right thought, like the stars have to align. And I've got to quote every scripture I know about healing and maybe speak in tongues for a minute and dump some oil on their head. And hopefully, if I jump through enough hoops, I'll twist God's arm enough to leak out a miracle. But this was the very first time that I tried none of that. I, I wasn't even trying at all. I didn't even say in Jesus' name like you're supposed to. And it worked. And I learned it's not about what you believe. It's about who you believe. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not having all your theological ducks in a row. It's not any of that. Uh, you know, miracles do not validate our theology. Uh, our miracles are an outflow of God to form our theology. <laughs> they, they should awaken us in our study of God as we see him in action. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I, I've just ever since then, it's been this discovery process of, oh, wow, the less I try, the more likely it is to happen because it's not about me. Jesus already did all the work. Wonderful. Wow. Well, I was going to go next. Um, maybe I can ask, what are some things you could do? Yeah. So, so our, what are some things our listeners of many people listening now who are probably wondering, well, how can God use me? I, I, I believe that God heals. I believe that God wants to direct me supernaturally. How can I grow in that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, number one, of course, Jesus said these signs accompany those who believe. So uh, I know your podcast, your, your audience is, uh, you know, people who are already believing. But just in case someone who's not listening, step, who, who is listening is not yet believing, step one is you got to believe in Jesus. you got to put your faith in him. Uh, number two, once you've got that one covered, it's really about hunger and pursuit. Um, there's kind of this, this weird tension we walk as believers where like, uh, I think it's, uh, second Peter one, three that says we have his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. So you already have everything you need. And yet at the same time, there's this invitation in the Beatitudes where Jesus is like, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And, and righteousness to me, uh, as I understand it, is not just being righteous, but also the outflow, the outworking of righteousness in the earth. Um, you know, Isaiah said that the fruit of righteousness will be uh, peace and the, the, it's quietness, confidence forever, right? So there's, there's supposed to be an outworking of righteousness. And as we hunger and thirst for that in the form of spiritual gifts and healing and miracles and things like that, when we thirst and hunger for things being made right, Paul said, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, right? So a big piece of this for me in discovering spiritual gifts, it, every gift that I've ever operated in, uh, which I've at some point done every one I can find in the Bible, um, it's always happened in the context of me hungering for God to use me in that way. Um, maybe that specific way. Uh, I know the first time I ever prophesied, I had spent three or four months just begging God, I want to prophesy, I want this, and the Lord kind of led me into it. Other times it was just the vague, God, I want to be used by you. I want to see your kingdom come and your will done on earth just like it is in heaven. And, um, and pretty soon we started to see something. Even in the story uh, about my healing testimony, as I, as I just shared, it was a three-month pursuit of saying, God, I, want, I really want to understand why does this healing thing work for others and not for me? 
and then discovering, oh, I've been overcomplicating it all these years. And uh, when, when we simplified things and said Jesus did all the work, it made it so much easier. So it's number one, believe. Number two, hunger and pursue. Number three, step out and give it a shot. Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, he said, uh, try to excel in gifts that build up the church, which that to me implies a certain amount of, of stepping out. You know, try is attempt, actively attempt something. So trying to excel in gifts that build up the church would even mean that, you know, I see certain gifts that are more beneficial than others in building others up, building up the church, and I'm going to invest myself more in stepping out in those things, trying to grow in them, trying to be more effective in how I deliver, uh, you know, the, the message or whatever. Um, and so we try to excel. There's got to be a stepping out point where we kind of leap off the cliff and trust that daddy will catch us uh, and, and take a risk. Take a risk. See what happens. The more you make those opportunities, you know, I, every, every uh, funeral I go to where it's an open casket funeral, I will put my hand on the dead person and say, get up in Jesus' name. To this day, it has not yet happened. I've been doing it for four years. But I would, or no, longer than that now, more, more like about eight years now. But uh, in eight years, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. It hasn't happened yet, but I guarantee you it is more likely to happen for me than it is for someone who doesn't do that. <laughs> so it's like we got to go after this stuff and keep making opportunities. Yeah, someone said to me, the more people you pray for, the more people get healed. Yep, you exactly. You can't make any shots you don't take. Yep. yep. So, wow. Uh, what about, though, I, what about sometimes... I've, you've probably had times you have prayed and you haven't seen a breakthrough. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> it's it's uh, that's part of the human experience. So so a piece of this uh, Proverbs, I think it's thirteen twelve says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life." So there are times when the thing we hope for and believe for gets put off and put off. And if you're not careful, your heart gets sick. You start to form a theology out of what hasn't happened instead of fixing your eyes on Jesus and forming your theology there. Um, And pretty soon you form conclusions about God, conclusions about your role in Christianity, what you have to offer people that, and, and you start to make explanation loopholes around certain things. The Bible says this, but this is my experience. And so this is what it really means. And it's all a mess. Uh, None of that actually helps us to, to grow. So one of the first things is when a disappointment happens, I can't assume that that disappointment reveals Jesus. Um, you know, second Peter three, nine says the Lord wills that none should perish and that all would come to repentance. And yet we know that people die in their sins. First Timothy two four, uh, God's will is that uh, that all men would be would come to salvation and, and uh, or would be saved and come to a knowledge of Him or something like that. Um, and so we've we've got these these realities that it is always one hundred percent of the time always God's will to save, and yet not everybody is saved. And so the fact that people die in their sin, we don't look at that and say, and therefore conclude that God doesn't want to save everyone. No, God's will is revealed in Jesus. It's revealed in the scripture. And so the fact that some people die of their sickness when we're believing for healing or anything like that, that is not proof of God's will. It's just proof that it happened. 
uh, God's will is revealed in Jesus. And every single person who came to him, called out to him, reached out and touched the hem of his garment, had someone else come on their behalf, every single one, he healed them. And he never said, I'm sorry, my father's building character in you. You're going to have to be a leper for a while longer. He never said, uh, you know, you're supposed to be healed after you die and you ought to just thank me right now for, uh, you know, giving you this condition so that I can be more glorious. Like, (laughs) you know, these are things we say because they make us more comfortable in our lack of results. But he didn't. He never said, I'm sorry, you know, this, this, one's, this one's just one of those you're going to have to uh, be healed after you die. And, and so, you know, we can kill you now or, <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't make sense. So I'm, I'm just kind of like, I look at Jesus. It always worked for him. I want to walk in that. Uh, when it did, there's only one case we know of when it didn't work for the disciples, when they ministered in Jesus' name. That was the epileptic boy. And... Uh, they asked him later, like Jesus shows up on the scene, he does it. And the disciples ask him later, why couldn't we drive it out? And uh, depending whether you read Matthew or Mark, you get two different answers. But in either case, uh, he puts the responsibility on the ministers, not on the little boy, not on his dad, not the atmosphere of unbelief, even though he acknowledged one when he said, you unbelieving perverse generation, how long will I put up with you? Not on the will of God, not on the strength of the enemy, none of that. It was all, hey guys, if, if you were walking in what you're supposed to be walking in, that would have worked. So if I lay hands on somebody and, and they don't get healed, I look them in the eye and I say, listen, if Jesus did that, that would have worked. Instead, you got me and I'm still learning to trust like he did. And uh, in this process of discovery, uh, we all, as the body of Christ, are being conformed into his image. And so that means every time someone ministers to you again, it is more likely to happen than last time because we, the church, are more like Jesus than last time. Now, theologically and even pastorally, I find this to be healthier than what we typically do, which is say, well, it's a mystery and I don't know why God healed your friend and not you. And the person walks away like, why did God love them more than me? Or, you know, they start embracing their sickness. And I I tell people, I refuse to celebrate something Jesus came to eradicate. If sickness and disease is such a virtuous thing that's supposed to make us more like God, why did Jesus go around robbing everybody of it? That's counterproductive. So it makes more sense biblically, logically, consistently, you know, uh, that, that this is something that Jesus came to get rid of. He sent us in his name to heal the sick, not some of the sick or just the ones the father leads you to or anything like that, but the sick. And then, uh, we go out in his name and we give it our best shot. And if it doesn't work, I would argue that more important than the answer Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew 17 or, or Mark nine, more important than that is the question the disciples asked. Lord, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we do what you could have done? And so that's what I do. If I, if I minister to someone, it doesn't work. I go to the Lord and I say, Jesus, I know that would have worked for you. Teach me to trust like you. Show me if there was something going on in me that, that was uh, blocking, you know, me being able to partner with you. Um, you know, I can remember a time I was in India and uh, I was in pride, and, and that was why it didn't work out. You know, the Lord showed me later. He's like, you, you were only wanting to work that miracle so that the pastor would recognize that you had something powerful you were carrying. That, that wasn't about me or about the woman that you were ministering to. And, and uh, I repented, of course, and, and, and the Lord brought me back to seeing results. But, <laughs> you know, I've had these moments, but I try to be clear with people that— uh, you know, we have to be careful that we don't start thinking it's about our godliness. Um, 
you know, pride. Yeah, I can see that because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And if all this stuff happens by grace through faith, then yeah, I got to be walking in humility, but it's not about being holy enough or good enough or anything like that. Jesus said, there's going to be people who don't even know him who stand before him at the judgment and, and point to the miracles and the prophecies and all that, that they did in his name that worked. And he says, I never knew you. So if, if he'll use people who don't even know him, he'll use us. One of the mistakes we make is we self-qualify. We start to think, you know, am I good enough? Am I sharp enough? Have I read my Bible enough, prayed enough? Have I matured enough in Christ to now attain to healing ministry? When really it's those who believe. I've seen 300 Kenyan school kids who'd been saved for five minutes, all minister healing with 100% results. <laughs> and uh, and I, I only touched one person in the room. You know, I, it's not my fault they got healed. That's That's the body of Christ. That's, you know, they've been saved five minutes. <laughs> we can all do it. We can all do it.